The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Penny Wilson, had her story told once before on this show, although I didn't know it at the time. Once in a while, I'll go into the IANS files to read a first-hand report as written and submitted to IANS by a near-death experiencer. These reports come to me anonymously, and so I was surprised to hear from a listener that the story I had chosen to read that week was hers. Penny Wilson is the mother of three, a grandmother, and she's recently retired from nursing. She lives in Kentucky with her husband, Don, and their two eccentric cats. She served in the fields of cardiothoracic and critical care nursing, and in 2011, her practice expanded, allowing her to care for terminally ill and actively dying patients. This gave her the opportunity to provide support though uh, through often neglected end-of-life transitions. As each soul passed into the spirit world, she found herself examining her own beliefs about death and what lay beyond. It was not until her own near-death experiences that she decided to leave nursing and pursue writing as her life's work. In August of 2014, Penny was struck with a rare disease called idiopathic anaphylaxis. The condition resulted in frequent episodes of respiratory failure, forcing doctors to initiate life support. These anaphylactic attacks have repeated themselves 18 times since she first received her diagnosis. Penny says that her journeys into the afterlife helped her understand the abiding love that our Creator has for us and the divine nature of our existence. Penny learned that each of us is blessed with the ability to affect profound change in the world. Inspired by her experiences, she began putting them to paper and is currently working on her first book, Life Reclaimed, and she is a contributing author to the book, The Transformative Power of Near-Death Experiences by Dr. Penny Satori. Penny Wilson, welcome to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's good to hear your voice. And um, how are thing- <laughs> things going well in Kentucky uh, um, for you now? Settling down. <laughs> yeah, good. things are settling good. down. It's been a busy, uh, busy two weeks for sure. Yes. Um, Penny, um, why don't you start by, uh, I know I've read your experience, but it, it's so much different hearing it uh, directly from the person who experienced it. So why don't you tell us what you went through? And I might interrupt you with a few, few questions as okay. we go along. It, I have to say it was really interesting to hear some hear my story from somebody other than me. <laughs> <laughs> a friend sent that to me and I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that is my story. <laughs> I know, and I didn't even know it was you, and now I do. Tea tiny world. Um, well, yeah, in 2014, um, I just developed this rare condition called idiopathic anaphylaxis, and at first I didn't know what it was. Um, we just knew that I kept having anaphylactic like allergy attacks. And, and then I would just go into complete respiratory failure and they did tests. We never did find out what it was I was allergic to. And so that started in 2014. I was home with my daughter one afternoon and um, doing absolutely nothing. And I'd had a shellfish allergy as a child, but you know, I mean, I always had EpiPens with me, but I'd never had to use them. And mm-hmm. 
So I was just sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, I just started feeling really odd and short of breath and um, difficult to swallow. And and being a nurse, thank goodness, I knew I'm like, this is anaphylaxis. And so I took my injection of epinephrine, and my son drove me to the hospital, and they just kind of dilly-dallied, you know, they figured since I had taken my EpiPen, everything was going to be fine, and and it wasn't, and I started rapidly deteriorating with, um, it's called Strider, it's where the throat is so tight that only whistling air gets through, and um, my husband got to the hospital and told them, and they said, he said, you're going to have to intubate her, she's she's going to quit breathing, Mm. and they said, no, no, we've got plenty of time, and he said, within five minutes, that was it, I just quit breathing, collapsed. Yikes. Um, yeah, pretty scary. So they got me intubated and life flighted into a bigger hospital. And and it was over that period of time that um, I was in the induced coma for, I think, four days. Mm. Um, over like the, where it started in the emergency room to about day three um, is, is what I perceived the time period for the experience to be. Time's a little different over there. Like everything happens all at once. But yes, it's it's or anything. It's uh, all in the now, and it's all eternal. It's yeah, it's very interesting. So well, your first, the first part of your experience was um, what sounded very scary to me. You talk about a terrible crushing sensation pushing all around and oh, against. Yeah. Well, when I, you know, when I popped out of my body, I what was going on in the emergency room and I just didn't particularly care. I mean, I took note of it. I knew what my vital signs were, um, you know, and that was accurate. I knew who was in the room doing the coding and, and I was mm-hmm. accurate about that, even though I was completely unconscious for it. And, um, and I just kind of watched that scene for a minute and then I popped out and was in my sister's car and watching her and she had typed into Facebook, she was pulled over at a gas station. She put, hang on, kiddo, I'm coming. And I remember thinking, I wonder where she's going. Um, <laughs> and then I just realized while I was in the backseat of her car that my body felt weird. It didn't feel as dense. And and with that, I, everything just went black. And I woke up in the void in the really dark, mm-hmm. uh, bottomless, endless. I don't know how, how big it was because it was so dark. I just know it seemed like that's all there was. Yeah, you wrote that um, you, you called it a soul oppressing darkness, which is very yeah. powerful. And and then you said you you thought maybe you dreamed your life and your family and yeah. and even the world. Everything there seemed so much realer than everything is here. It was just I would reflect back on my life here and think, gosh, I thought that was so real, but this is the other side is just everything is so alive, whether it be a negative sort of feeling or a positive sort of feeling. Everything's so charged. And so when I was in the void, it, I just felt this pressure all around me. And I, and it felt like spiritual pressure. And it was interesting because I remember thinking, I'm a Christian, you know, where where am I? What is this place? I didn't know if I had died and was just in the ground, but I didn't feel like a casket around me or anything. I, I just really could not sort out what was going on. Mm. Um and, and why was I in this place, and, and where was I? And, and I would say in the time here, what it felt like there was about 20 years. Mm. And I thought, you know, I must have just made that place up, that earth place, so that I would have something to think about here. 
you, so far removed. You also wrote that it wasn't hell, that you were certain that it no. wasn't hell, but it certainly sounds like a variation on hell yeah. to be uh, so know, cut off. Yeah, and that was it. It was this isolation, and I just, I couldn't sort it out. You know, why was I there, and was there anywhere else I could be, and if there was, how would I get there? And, and I just, I stayed there for a long time, really just kind of puzzling my life. And, and that part of the story kind of scares people sometimes. And I always tell them, you know, um, God knew I was coming back. So for me to say that that's what everyone's near-death experience would be like or anyone's would be like, you know, that's impossible to say. So I always tell people, don't freak out, you know. Mm. just this, A near-death experience is different than a death experience, so... I, uh, having heard so many of these stories, I think, um, these, these are personalized experiences. This was, so this was something that was intended just for you. Exactly. And that's part of, you know, it's so funny because when I tell people about the void, it scares them. And, and I'm just so grateful for it. You know, I had really started isolating in my life after my divorce and, and I was just like in automatic driver mode all the time. And, um, you know, just what you had to do to get through with three kids and work a job that's as strenuous as nursing. And and I just kind of slowly cut myself off from the things I was interested in and from friends until I kind of developed a social anxiety where I it was difficult for me to answer the phone or to talk to people. And, um, and so, you know, looking back on the void, I see that as really representative of how I felt in my life. Mm. Do you think today that... Uh you, you know this notion that we're living in a matrix reality—that it's not—that it's something that we participate in, but it's not as real as the other side. Do you, just in living your day-to-day life, do you sometimes feel that way? Yeah, I feel—I definitely feel that way, and I—I I remind myself, you know, the further out I get from my experience, the more I have to remind myself about the lessons from it. And so, if I feel myself kind of spinning or getting upset on things that are on the side, I remind myself, you know, this isn't real. This is just an experience I came to have, Mm. you know, and I can affect it positively, which is great news. I never knew that I really could honestly affect my life in a positive way. I just kind of took it as it got thrown at me. Well, the questions that you ask in the darkness, where am I and why am I here and where is everything and everyone gone? Um, I mean, those those are questions we probably should ask ourselves from time to time, even without a near-death experience. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good reflection, you know. Looking back, it's so easy, you know, you get on this path in your life and, and you, you fix your eye on what's at the end, you know, you're trying to get to retirement or you're trying to get your kids graduated from high school or college and, and you, you just think you're on that road and, and you've kind of lost track and it's real easy to, you know, be headed so strong for that goal that you don't see the other things that are supposed to happen in your life, and you kind of close yourself off to that being the only reality. Mm. And so it, it is really limiting. Um, of course, not now. You know, now I know I can do all kinds of things, and it's kind of fun to play with that reality because I'd never believed it before that that I could really affect tomorrow for myself. Right. Well, let me allow you the time to get on with um, the revelations that you had uh, going through this NDE and your, uh, most importantly, your encounter with the light. Yeah, so I, you know, I stayed in the void, um, 
just for whatever that period of time was and it, trying to sort myself out. And, and I finally at some point figured out that I could move. And when I moved, um, I came to a barrier. It was, uh, you know, hard and I could see through it and I could see myself on the other side in the hospital bed with the wires and the tubes. And I saw my daughter visiting on one occasion. And, and then I realized that the, the, the void might be transient. It might not be someplace I had to stay. And, and so then I really started thinking about, I looked down on my body and, you know, it was just my kids visiting. I didn't have any friends visiting and I really saw how isolated I had gotten. And so, um, you know, I tried to push through the wall and, and was beating on the wall because I was so mad I couldn't get in there. And, and finally, when that dawned on me that the void was a place I had made, it just exploded. And mm. this dark, bright um, female spirit came to me. And, and I wasn't sure who she was, but I knew I knew her. And um, she pulled me up into her arms. And, and then I knew I, it was my grandmother, my mom's mom, who had passed when I was 10. And, um, you know, my family members often say that I'm like her. She was just real gregarious and just a fun spirit. And so anyway, she was there to greet me and um, kind of explain some things. I didn't understand how I could be in a hospital room and be with her at the same time because I knew she wasn't alive. And and then I realized she was alive way more than she ever was. (laughs) Yes. You said her, her red hair was like fire like fire on her head and I just it was all the boldness that you would have in this life if nothing was weighing you down Mm -hmm. you know and that's what she was just this embodiment of that and um she told me she said you know energy isn't created or destroyed it just changes form you know you don't die you're either you're either alive on that side or you're alive on this side and Mm -hmm. I thought well shoot that makes pretty good sense you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think I learned that in a third grade science class somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I stayed with her for a while and she comforted me. We communicated telepathically. Um, you know, and she just assured me that I was loved and, you know, helped me calm down. And when she would speak words, you know, I didn't, I mean, I heard them, but they didn't come from her lips. They, they came from her spirit. And those words each had vibration and re- resonance and they went through and whatever she said, they did. So if she said, calm yourself, the words would do that. And um, I stayed with her for a little while, and then I didn't realize she had left, and I was alone, just kind of floating in the white light. And then all of a sudden, there was, it sounded like the loudest explosion you could imagine, but it didn't hurt my ears. And um, and everything shook. Everything on this side, this side of heaven shook, and everything on heaven's side of heaven shook. And... And he just said, I am. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) And and he wasn't some old man with a beard or, you know, he wasn't some old woman. And and the only reason I use the pronoun he is because it's just my socialization to do so. Tradition. um, Yeah, yeah, tradition. And we know he had masculine power sort of about him. You're things that we would associate with masculinity, you know, very fatherly and that sort of thing. So I think he works for me. And um, anyway, he, he just was amazing. And I could, he, he scooped me up into his light, which was a different force from the light I was in. And, and I could feel it going all through me and I could feel it touching all the cells in my body. And it, it just, it was amazing, you know, and he told me that I was loved and, um, we, we traveled through my 
through my DNA, you know, or, or, or even before that, he, the light came up through my feet and up through my stomach. And when it got to my mouth, it lit my tongue up like fire. And I was singing these beautiful melodies and I can't sing a lot. And, um, it, 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 was, it was just amazing. And so then we were going down through my DNA because he wanted to show me something. And, and we got down to this very deep part, almost to the stop of it. And he said, we can't go any further. But he said, this is your beginning right here. And you see that I'm in here with you. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I ever realized that I was connected to God. And I really understood it, you know, that you can't be separate from him. Atheist, whatever you are, you, you can't be separated. It, it's in there, you know. It's, it's like, you know, you can have a child and that child can deny you, but you're still their parent. Mm. And and you can prove it at the deepest levels of their structure, and that's that's what God was showing me. He's like, you know, people think that they they do that they do their own will, that they come and go as they please. But I tell you, that's foolishness. You know, that not not for the breath I put in their lungs could they do any of these things. Yet they brag and they boast, and you know that all that they're doing, accomplishing all these things. And and you know, he he told me he said I sent you all of you into the world so I could experience myself more fully and I could watch you find me and find your origin. And he said, and you've got it all tangled up in arguments, legalities, and, and, you know, you're just missing the whole point. And it was just life-changing news for me that Mm. he was personal and that he cared. And I, I just, I had never had that experience, even though I had, you know, accepted Christ and all these other things. This was real. When he said, I am, did you feel that you were um, integral to that, that you were, that you yes. too were I am? Yes, absolutely. It, he just showed me, you know, that I always thought there was this point where you existed, you know, where you, you know, your spirit came alive in your mother's womb. And he showed me, he said, I, I've always been with you from the beginning to the end. Therefore, you've always been. Um, you know, you were always part of the design and, and I just, that just really struck me, you know, that he's, he's always been there with us. And, and I asked him, I said, how could you be the beginning and be the end? And he said, oh, you think of time from point A to point B. And he said, time is a circle that spirals. Therefore, of course I can be at the beginning and the end. And I thought, oh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, one of the things that, dis, that struck me about your experience in, uh, in reading about it um, was the, how you s- totally submitted to his presence. Mm-hmm. You wrote, his vast white presence soaked into every part of me, diving deep into my core and stealing my breath, of which I had no need because I was filled with his life. With his light, rather, I lay myself bare to this energy, letting it fill every void, every hurt and longing. So, I, I mean, so often people um, start on that process and don't go as far as you did, um, yeah. that they draw back. Either they're told they have to or or that they're frightened a, a little a, a little overwhelmed right. by it. Yeah, it's very overwhelming. And there's so many sensations going on all at that time as you're surrendering but if you really open yourself up to it you know he god has a, a fragrance and a, a there's a resonance a certain vibration that is only him and, um and just to 
have yourself shaken to your core by the vibration of God is just, it was just an amazing thing. I couldn't, I couldn't help but surrender to it. It just kind of melts you, you know. I thought, gosh, if people could feel this, what this love is like, it, it would change everything. You mentioned also light, lighting my tongue with the most pleasing of melodies. Mm. Did you did you actually sense music? Yeah. While this oh, was going yeah. on, we would we would I would see these scenes and and everything's so real there. There's thought creation, so you can think something in it. And it appears, and so I would see these flowers, and I would know what flower I was near without having to see it, because each one had its own vibration and its own song and um, it, its own scent, and, and the colors were like nothing here, and um, everything was so individual, but it was like this unified chorus. I, I knew everybody who had ever lived, um, and everybody that would live in the future, and I was connected to all of them, and really... For somebody who was struggling with isolation and anxiety, social anxiety, feeling connected to everybody was life-changing for me. Did you, or did you retain the answer to why, why we're going through all this? We chose it. You know, it's so funny. One of the greatest things I learned while I was there, I have a brother who's disabled, and, and I queried God about that. You know, why, why let him come into this world and have such a hard life? And you know, not be able to experience all the things that just as humanity you want to experience. And, and you know, he told me, he said, those are the sacrificial ones that come to teach everybody else something. And I just, it just so changed my view of suffering and children being sick. And, you know, he's like, those are the selfless souls that come to teach everyone else. And, and I just thought that was beautiful. Hmm. <clears throat> what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about reincarnation? You know, I don't feel like we ever end. And this will get me in trouble with a lot of Christians. Um, I saw these past lives, and I'm not going to say they're my past lives, because when you're on the other side, you're so connected to everybody that you mm-hmm. can partner with them and you can experience their life as if it's your own. And I did that. And, and so I don't know if maybe that's what we're interpreting as reincarnation. I don't know if it's real. You know, the, the um, scholars will argue that probably much better than I could or not. Um, but I, was, I knew I was intricately part of other existences. Now, whether I just was kind of soul partnered to see that so that I could be changed by the experience, because that's a really cool thing. You know, God loves his parables. And um, I think one of the things he can do is put you in a, another life that's a parable that will teach you something about your own. So that's kind of my theory on that. I, I just don't really know. The, the uh, statistics say that um, uh, Christians who've had a near-death experience are basically twice as likely to believe in, in reincarnation as those. Yeah, it's it, about 30% it really for ordinary Christians and perhaps 60 to 70% for those who've gone through the, the near-death experience. Well, and when I saw those lives, I was... You know, I, I asked God, I'm like, well, how can that be me? You know, and that's why I still wonder if I wasn't partnered with another person that had lived before. And and he said, you know, you think I can raise Lazarus from the dead? You think I can resurrect the Christ and I can't give you a new body? Mm. And I'm, I just, like I said, I'm still being brought up a Christian. I'm still working on that one. It was, I think, in the 5th or 6th century that the church... It came out with a 
doctrine of no reincarnation. Before that, yeah. uh, there were many uh, Christians, I mean, especially the Greeks, I think, who believed um, in reincarnation. So it it's not it wasn't it wasn't anything that Jesus said that uh, would persuade you otherwise. I I don't well, believe. I know. I know that when um, the disciples questioned Jesus about who John was, that, you know, they wanted to know, was he Elijah returned? And, and mm-hmm. Jesus didn't, you know, Jesus' answer wasn't, you know, get out of here. No, there's no such thing as that. You know, he, he, <laughs> he didn't even refute that idea, which I thought was interesting that he didn't refute the idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, had it, had it been such a terrible thing or something that hadn't been heard of, I, I think he would have addressed it directly. So it seemed like a common thinking in that time. Yes. But as a now, fact, I don't know. Um, you also say in what you wrote, I didn't know uh, that my understanding wouldn't come through my own beliefs or ideas, but through the powerful energy of God. Um, most of us are working with our own beliefs and ideas. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions on how someone without going through what you went through can open themselves to that powerful energy. You know, I watched a special television and I wish I could remember the name of it. It was a documentary and this guy was seeking God and he was going everywhere and talking to people seeking God. And and a, a wise man told him, he said in the Bible, it says, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. And he said, you need to put a comma after that. I am that I am. And, and it changes the whole meaning of it, you know, so you can look at somebody who's just terrible in your life and say, I am that I am, you know, I have the propensity to be terrible and, and I'm just better at controlling it than this person, but that could be me. And it, it really changes your perspective and it helps you see a little bit of God in everyone. Um, you know, they're just working through those struggles, you know, maybe in unproductive ways, but the way we all do. As you were coming out of it, you uh, you write, I cried out to God, please grant me at least the memory of this. Let me store within myself this time with you so that I will never forget. I feel I will lose all hope if I cannot at least have that, which makes me really look forward to your book <laughs> because so many people come back and say it was this amazing, incredible indescribable experience and I've forgotten most of it Um, but it sounds like you've retained quite a lot of the detail so I I think I've retained what I needed and maybe what some other people needed to hear too I hope and and yeah I'm getting close to the end of the book so I'm hoping by spring it'll be you know you'll be able to get it on Amazon well good and uh, you can tell folks about the uh, the book that you participated in Yes, there's a, um, Dr. Penny Sartori is one of the leading researchers of um, near-death experiences in the UK. She's been at it over 20 years. And um, and we all kind of got brought together through Robert Tremblay, who's also an experiencer. And um, he referred us to a gal named Kelly Walsh who coordinated the book. And, and so we all got to write a chapter for it. And I um, have editing credit for parts of the book and... Um, so it was just great. My chapter is number seven, and it's called Love Broke Through, and it's just 22 people talking about um, how God changed their life through a near-death experience. Hmm. And that's available uh, probably through Amazon? It's on, it's on Amazon, and we've um, 
got some great. I think we're at number twenty-five in genre right now on the bestseller list. So, um, terrific, it's going great. Yeah, we've got yeah. some neat people endorsing it, and Evan Alexander and Anita Morjani and uh, Neil Donald Walsh. So, yeah, it's, it's been a great. It's been a great experience working with all the authors. And now you get to do it again when your own book comes out. I know it's so exciting. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> Are you planning on going on a, a speaking tour or anything like that when that when the time comes? I would like to do that. You know, I've had a really in December. I'll be a year without an anaphylactic attack. So you know, I had eighteen over three years. So you can imagine that that's huge to not have one in twelve months. I was so, going to ask if you felt like you'd been healed uh, in through well, I mean, this experience. After times, yeah. It, I, I, but you know, the last time it happened um, was last December, and I remember being with God that time as well. And I said, "Why? You know, why is this just how I'm going to die? I'm just not going to get to the hospital quick enough one time. Can just take me out then? I don't want to do this over and over." And um, and he he just looked at me and he said, "Do you want this to change?" And I said, "I do." And he said, "Then I want you to start saying yes. Anytime I put an opportunity in front of you, I want you to say yes." And so I started speaking at, you know, IN's meetings and telling people in church about my story and saying yes every time God put something in my path. And it's, I've not been sick since I started, so. I wish everyone who's had a near-death experience would do that. It's, it's so important for the rest of the world to hear about these things, these, uh, to open up the possibility of, um, encounters with the other side. Well, Penny, we are unfortunately out of time for today, but thank you so much for sharing your amazing NDE experience. Thank you for having um, me. I really, I really enjoyed it. Well, good, good. Um, if uh, any of the listeners would like to hear the show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For information on IANS, check out that website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.